Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Welcome to the show, Gearheads. Speed City live in Austin, Texas. We just got through watching the British Grand Prix. Another good Formula One race. This is John Massengale sitting in studio with Les Kaiser. Les, what'd you think? Uh, nailed it. Nailed it. You did call it, buddy. You called it before the race with hey, Sebastian man. Vettel. You know, I, I think it uh, I think it was an excellent run. Yes, Hamilton got knocked out. You know, I'm not going to say that was intentional by anybody. but uh, Not knocked I, out, knocked back. Yeah, knocked back. Knocked, <laughs> knocked off course the first run. Uh, I'm going to say that even so, you know, trying to rain on somebody's parade is a big, big assist when you've got that. And knowing that Hamilton was, that there was such a big deal made about Hamilton racing in front of the home crowd. Somebody wanted to get up there and, and bring that rain cloud. Oh, you you saying Kimi Räikkönen did that on purpose? I don't think so. Okay. I was going to say, I, I didn't agree with that. I think, I think it I think was, that was just... A, Racing incident. Uh, I don't think there was any animosity or anything uh, astray in that. Yeah, I think I think it's a mistake by Raikkonen. I think even he admitted that too. But by the way, we're going to get Jonathan Green from uh, front live from Silverstone here in just a couple of minutes, and uh, we'll get him back on the air with us. We had him on the pre-show, so we'll have him. But uh, but yeah, let's run down the the race because it was a good race, and we've had two really good races in Formula One in a row here. So. So uh, Sebastian Vettel won the race and in, in great fashion. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Lewis Hamilton in second. Kimi Raikkonen in third. Botas, Ricardo, who we didn't hardly hear any of the entire race. Yeah, uh, I thought and, that was interesting. And uh, sixth, Nico Hulkenberg. Then seventh, Ocon, Alonso in eighth. Then Magnussen from the Haas team in ninth. Gasly, Perez, Van Dorn, Stroll, Sorotkin. And we had several. We had, what, six? DNFs, six drivers that did not make it through. Was uh, we had uh, we had Hartley out on lap two with a technical issue. Then Leclerc out on lap eighteen with mechanical problems, and then Erickson went out with a really hard hit. And, and one of those ones where you look for them to to uh, to hit the radio quickly because that was a really hard hit on the walls. So that was a little bit scary. And also, of course, the crash between Grosjean and Carlos Sainz. Which I think was correctly called a racing incident, although that was we'll talk a little more about that. That was a pretty tough maneuver. And then of course Verstappen right towards the end of the race went off in the gravel and had some brake issues, so he didn't finish the race either either. So but uh but yeah, good another good race, guys. It was. It was. Uh, and it's British GP can always bring some excitement. Uh being such a long time uh, uh stop on the tour, it's a great Great accumulation of folks. You you saw the crowds; they were huge. Yeah, big crowds at Silverstone, and big, big cheers for Lewis Hamilton all weekend. And of course, let's talk about this at the very beginning of the race. You touched on it less, where Raikkonen ended up with a ten second penalty for what he did when he spun uh, Lewis Hamilton early right. on in the race and sent Hamilton to the back. And 
you know, uh, the guys on the on the on the play by play radio broadcast were saying they'd give driver of the day to Lewis Hamilton. I can't argue with that because he came nah. from the back to to come in second so absolutely you know and and as always when you know one of the front runners gets <laughs> sent to the back those are there's quite a few of those in the back that are just not even going to battle and just let them pass that's uh, that's the safest way because you know he's going to make his way up there anyway and and you don't want to be taken out on that it's one of those things that uh you know i'd say the first half dozen folks he passes are just a given and a gift back to him to get up to the front so win number four for Vettel for 2018. And, of course, extending his lead by a little bit over Lewis Hamilton and extending the uh, the Constructors' Championship also by small margins. So I love that we've got a tight season. I mean, this is what we've been asking for, and it's we've got it, it right alive. Now. Keeping it alive. All right, so some uh, let's see. I want to talk about the Haas, if one team, of course. I was predicting and hoping that they would pass the Renault team, and that did not happen today. With uh, with the way things finished with host, I mean, look, we're scoring points, so I cannot complain. But uh, but they're they're not going to pass because you had Hulkenberg up in Berg up in sixth for the Renault team, so he's got a few more points than Magnussen did. But man, guys, one thing I did notice when Lewis Hamilton was coming through the pack and how fast he did that—it was crazy fast. And then I was watching him, and I thought, well, I wonder how he's going to do when it comes up to the Renault team, to the Haas team, the cars that. Uh, and, and Ocon with Force India, you thought, how quickly is he going to get past those cars, right? Because they're the best of the rest. Well, it just shows you the way he went past them. I mean, he went straight through the field and ended up in sixth in no time at all. And and there was a, I mean, you can see there's a huge performance gap between uh, between the, the 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 big three and the rest of the field. Yeah, you're right. It's a it's a big deal. That uh, to have that much of a gap at this level, it's really something else to me to see that continuing to go. You know, I, I keep thinking, who's going to close up on Mercedes? Well, we're seeing Ferrari get there. Red Bull, honestly, I feel is kind of waning in uh, in their performance a bit. Well, I think we have uh, Jonathan Green live from Silverstone. Mr. Green, how's it going, buddy? Good, man. Yeah, wow. Boy, that, I said it was going to be hot and sweltering. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, what's, up, everything. With the, what's up with the weather over there? You guys, it's, I'm, I'm looking for the cold and rain, and it looks like Texas over there. Well, we've actually, that's the trouble with modern technology. We've actually been lying. It's, it's a lovely country. <laughs> uh, we just didn't really want to. It's only small. We didn't really want too many people coming over. And Wimbledon's only got, you know, so many seats, and so too Silverstone. Well, that's what's happened to Austin, Texas. We talk about what's, what a great city we have and great weather, and now everybody moved here. Well, apparently you've got know, plenty but- of room for crickets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's up with the, the, the radio broadcast? They kept breaking in with, uh, with, uh, with the cricket updates. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's on an the ground reporter Jiminy Cricket. Cricket. Yeah, <laughs> what's that, Jonathan? It's an important game. I mean, you know, it's a board game, right? It's they play it. It's like chess. Is that what it is? No, no. <laughs> you're you're in when you're out, and you're out when you're in, and you're over bowled by six if you're googly. <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds we'll... like baseball and bowling. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, it was it was a good race, man. We right before you came on, Jonathan, we were running down what happened at the at the top when uh, when Raikkonen spun Hamilton and how Hamilton blasted his way through the the, the crowd and got up quickly to sixth place. Uh, but but what was your take on the race? 
Yeah, just on that point, uh, there's definitely some controversy about the incident between Hamilton and Raikkonen. Raikkonen admitted full, full, uh, you know, responsibility for it. But I was just listening to Susie Wolf, um, who, of course, is married to Toto Wolf, but a driver herself, <laughs> um, saying, you know, um, why, you know, why, why only ten seconds when it ruins Hamilton's uh, whole race? You know, uh, and Vettel kind of, you know, caused an incident before and he gets put back. I don't know. You know, sour grapes may be a little bit, but, um, you know, uh, it, it does. It's always tough. I mean, Hamilton did a sensational job to come back to second place. Um, but, you know, uh, the, the first incident. Have to say, Ferrari, um, they're on form. They are yeah. on form. We've got, we've got some fast circuits coming up. Hungary is uh, not, it's a very tight circuit and no real overtaking, so that's a lottery. But Monza's fast and it's their home race. Uh, you've got to see quite a few victories. Singapore uh, at night, um, again, fast circuit. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I really do. I think as we lead up to Austin, I, I do. I, I agree with uh, Jenny Gow. It's going to be, I think it's going to be less than 14 points between them. All right, well, so what do you guys think about Botas defending against Vettel and then Vettel eventually getting through? Uh, to me, I mean, Botas, I thought, was doing a great job, but but when he did let Vettel pass, I mean, it almost looked like he just didn't see it coming. It was just like not defending. Yeah, but he had no tires. That's the truth. I mean, when you look at the, I mean, even though the safety car played a little bit to help um, because they didn't stop uh, as Ferrari did, uh, twice. Um, they had fresher tyres, more grip, and Botas was risking, well, I think his car tyres were gone, so I don't think he was in a position to defend much. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, I think it was a great overtake by Vettel, but um, again, uh, Botas, you know, uh, doing the job and keeping himself in contention. I'm actually quite pleased with Botas today because, you know, he's still in touch. It only needs uh, a really good result uh, a couple of wins for him, and things will change. Well, I was looking at a chart that Formula One puts out that has all of the position changes, all the passing and everything, and I, there's no way to follow it. So that that's a great thing for Formula One, and uh, so plenty of action today. But So uh, what about down the grid a little bit, Jonathan? I was talking about the Haas team, but, but, uh, but any other stories, any other things that, that strike you? Well, obviously, disaster for Hartley. Um, you know, we, we heard that interview at the beginning of the program about how much pressure he's under, and it doesn't help when you don't even get to go on the grid. Um, I felt sorry for um, Sauber uh, because that, that, that kind of ruined pit stop by Charles Leclerc when he was in the points. Um, I don't know what the, you know, it was probably a loose wheel nut, something uh, from the pit stop, a real shame. Uh, disappointment again for Williams and McLaren. I mean, you know, it's their home race, remember? Uh, and it wasn't too long ago that the 130,000 fans that you see cheering for the German Mercedes team, albeit an English driver, were cheering for the British Williams team in a wave of glory and the relatively British McLaren team um, not so long ago. But how times change, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, did, I did just see a, a, a tweet by Formula One and Raikkonen's, quoting Raikkonen, he says, hitting Lewis in the rear, my bad, my mistake. I deserve the penalty. I took the 10 seconds. Without the mistake, it would have been better. I tried to do the best I could. But yeah, he's, you're right, Jonathan. He took full responsibility, not even, uh, I mean, it's, you know how it is, a little bit rare to hear drivers go ahead and take full responsibility. But yeah, he did. So uh, I, I can't argue with that 
And uh, I, I do like, here's another quote from Vettel. Vettel, he says, the safety car spiced it up. It was a nice battle with Valtteri. I think I surprised him. He says, I'm really, really happy. Les, what do you think? Yeah, I think he did. It's not a, it's not a place you ever take usually uh, into Brooklands. Uh, so it was a ballsy move, to be honest. That's the only way I can describe it. It was a classic Vettel move. And occasionally he shows us that, that, that spice of life. And I know that, uh, I, I know that uh, Les will probably agree because I think, isn't, isn't, didn't he call Vettel win before the race? He did. He's right smiling. You are. He's smiling, grinning here. He <laughs> called <Jezar> it cat. <laughs> hey, so, so yeah, I I really do. One uh, excellent racing. You know, there was a lot of side by side action. It uh, really played well. You know, I was surprised at how many uh, incidents that appeared to be DRS uh, assisted people running off the ends, holding it a little too long. It appeared not being able to make that next corner. So th- that kind of surprised me as nothing has really changed about this track in so long. All right, so I want to... Yeah, well, let's they, they Go ahead, John. Well, just like to answer that, yeah. Well, Christian Horner was asked about it, uh, and they did change. That's the first time they've had DRS uh, on the front straight at the first corner. Um, uh, they've had it uh, at the back one. So they added a DRS, and Horner doesn't think they'll have that next year. And both Raikkonen... Um, sorry, Ericsson and... Um, uh, the other crash, I'm trying to think which one, but uh, we're both, oh, Raikkonen's little move where he went almost off, but managed to gab it was because because of DRS. So they've got to close the DRS before they turn in, or it can happen like it did to Ericsson. Interesting, interesting. That does explain it then. All right, so what about this, guys? The the wreck with Grosjean and Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz, a bold move through a corner that's pretty much a, what, a, a Top Gear flat-out corner coming around Grosjean, and ended up taking them both out. Uh, what do you think, Les? Uh, bold move. Uh, I, I think that was a racing incident. I think inside, you know, uh, lost a little grip there, slipped out, took them both out. I would not call that anything more than a racing incident. When you looked at it from both camera views, you saw how it played out. All right, Jonathan, what about you? Um. I'm, I'm, I'm torn on this one. Grosjean got a bit of oversteer. Uh, I mean, remember, it was a restart. So Sainz was out of place because you wouldn't be on that line at flat. You'd be on that line if you were flat out, but they were just accelerating. And it is one of the fastest corners in, you know, on the track. So for Sainz to try to get past Grosjean on the outside at Cops, uh, you know, you, you, you say it when you say it like that, it's just almost an, any racer driver will tell you that is not a move. But it was a restart. And Grosjean got a bit of oversteer as he went in, uh, probably trying to defend, and he just, you know, touched. But he sh- uh, Sands shouldn't have been there, uh, in my opinion, because he knows full well that, that, that you're going to be hung out to dry uh, if you're not up to full speed. And, and he wasn't past him. It wasn't a move. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think it's – I probably wouldn't, if I'd been a steward, I probably wouldn't have called it. But I think that was probably – uh, if I had to, if I had to choose, I'd say it was on Carlos Sainz. But Jonathan, you said it was a racing incident. Racing incident for sure. Yeah, you know, you mentioned something uh, when we spoke on the phone earlier about some rumors about Grosjean. And I, I, what do you tell tell me what you were saying there? Well, uh, some of the British reporters were saying, you know, that Grosjean's poor year. And let's face it, okay, he got a good result last time, uh, but another result where he goes out, his fault or no fault. But you know. It, this game, it's like Hartley. Hartley did nothing wrong this weekend. His suspension failed. and They couldn't get it 
but they couldn't get the car right. So he hasn't raced again, but it's another nail on the coffin. I hate to say it. Uh, there's so many good guys in GP2, including our own Santino Ferrucci. Um, you know, George Russell is pushing hard to get into the Mercedes team. Um, it's a cutthroat business, this. And the more results you don't get, the quicker people are to, to, to call judgment. I mean, this will be forgotten in two weeks, but the result won't be. And you will look down at the constructors and you'll look down at the drivers championship. Uh, and what I'm saying is that a lot of people are saying that Grosjean's making too many mistakes and not avoiding incidents and getting himself in trouble. And again, not scoring points, whereas Magnussen is keeping his nose clean and again, scoring points today. So of the two drivers at uh, Haas, you'd have to say that Magnussen's doing a better job at the moment. But that's really harsh. Yeah, you know, it's funny because coming into the season, Grosjean has done, had, has done really well the first two seasons at Haas. But you have to admit, he has made some mistakes. What was that when he was sitting there behind the safety car a few weeks ago and just crashed? And so there's been some mistakes for sure. But all right, guys, well, let's go and take our first break and we'll continue to recap the British Grand Prix. And we've got some really fascinating interviews, including some interviews with the managing director of Formula One, Sean Bratches. And so, uh, so stick with us. And if you want to join the conversation, 512-643-LIVE. 512-643-5483. Back after these messages. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education for 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. MB Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MB Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MB Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. Ducati Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Live coverage of President Trump's Supreme Court nomination announcement, Monday at 8 on Talk 1370. Hello, I'm Jenny Gower from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. Thank you, Jenny. We, uh, we just heard Ginny on the BBC broadcast earlier today. And, and if you missed it, definitely follow up on the Speed City website. You'll have that interview in, in its entirety if you missed it. Yeah, we've got, uh, we've got a bunch of good interviews because, you know, Jonathan, as we said earlier, Jonathan has been over at Silverstone, over in London this week, getting interviews and, uh, and getting prepped for the British Grand Prix. And you can check out all of those interviews on our website and our SoundCloud account. 
speedcitybroadcast.com. But uh, let's go. You know, we've got a couple of callers. Let's uh, let's go to Bob in Texas first. Hey, Bob, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How's it going? Pretty good. So what struck you about today's race, the British Grand Prix? Well, yeah, you know, it, it wasn't really the race itself, but I was curious what you guys thought about the, the triple header. I mean, these guys are going to have to travel or they've had to travel quite a lot in between these three rounds. I mean, you know, they're not all in Europe. What do you think? Ah, good question, because the, the the whole idea behind this was actually it had to do with the World Cup. They they shuffled some things around uh, and decided to go back to back to back. So what was it? Uh, France, Austria, Britain. So um, it was the first time in, in Formula One history that they'd ever done that. But the way it ended up is that a lot of these guys may have slept in their own beds this week because a lot of these teams are based around around London near Silverstone. Right. So I, you know, I I think that if you're going to do it, at least do it that way. Uh, you know, I I gotta say the fatigue of the team members could have been an issue as well. I just think uh, three in a row. Hey, you know, we enjoyed it, but uh, think of yourself if you run three long weeks, you know, with the races on each weekend, uh, the team's pretty pretty wore out. I can imagine. I'm sure they're they're definitely ready for a few days off and to get away. Uh, one of the things though. Bob is they said they're not planning on a 2019 triple header. Oh, interesting. Well, Jonathan, we got you over in at Silverstone. What do you think about the triple header for Bob? Um, yeah, I know what you're saying, um, but it's and and I think it's I, I'm, I'm not surprised they're not thinking about it again. It, it's exhausting. I mean, I was talking to Kate Walker. I've got a great interview with her, uh, which I'll put up as a podcast. But as always, Kate Walker. Uh, great, but she was telling me uh, that come tonight she's going to be heading home for the first time since the French Grand Prix. Uh, that's a long time away from home. <laughs> so, well, Bob, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. You know, I think that's that's one of the things. The other thing uh, we talk about it when they get back into this stretch of races that they're adding changes. Uh, Brendan Hartley, you know, after his suspension failure was relegated to starting from the pit or from the back. And one of the things that came out that Toro Rosso announced is they added some uh, power unit changes while they were at it. It's like, hey, while we're at the back of the grid, we can't get any further back. Let's let's do this. Unfortunately, he really didn't get to find out if they uh, were going to fare well or not with those. Yeah, that was a scary crash, man. And it made, it made me think about the halo. I know the, the tire stayed tethered. The yeah. wheel stayed tethered. But did you see it? It was bouncing up really close to that halo. And if you did have a tether failure in that instance, that, that would easily justify oh, that, that halo. But Hey, Jonathan, I want to get your take on the overall championship fight, where we are now, and that and the battle for, for the best of the rest. Okay. Uh, I think it is very significant that um, the championship battle uh, is hotting up the way it is. Eight points now the difference. One point it was. Uh, I knew it would be a significant three races, and it's turned out that way. But I think pretty much Hamilton and Vettel have scored equally. Uh, Raikkonen's coming into the game. Botas is already in it. And if he gets a better result again, I, he could be part of a three-way fight. But really, the story has to be about Lewis Hamilton and his legacy and Sebastian Vettel and his legacy. 
Both have four world titles. A fifth one for one of these two guys is on the cards at the end of this year. Who's it going to be? And you can see results like today. Uh, Hamilton, very petulant, not showing up to the post-race interview. Um, the live one, at least, uh, with Martin Brundle. Uh, and I think that just says it all. I think it's a little bit uh, babyish, in my opinion. But, but, but Vettel's shown similar kind of tactics when he's not having a good day. Um, but it really is a lot of pressure. Ironically, Fangio, Juan Manuel Fangio, the only man to have got five titles. Of course, Schumacher has seven. But uh, they're chasing Fangio's record of five titles, as it was for a long time. Uh, and both of them want to be up there with the great man. His two sons were at the race today, Fangio's <laughs> sons watching. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've got to think of the legacy because the, the way things are changing and with the rules and so on and so forth, uh, who knows the future? And, you know, if you've got a dominant car, you, you know, it, it really is going to be touch and go between those two. And, and it's now about legacy and who's going to go down in history as one of the greatest drivers of all time. Well, you know, it's funny you talk about uh, Hamilton being petulant and walking off not for doing interviews, but did you guys see him when he stepped out of the car after qualifying? He was so emotional that he was trying to, you know, that he was talking about every, all the team was, was counting on him and all of the, the, all the London fans, all the British fans counting on him. He was so emotional stepping out of the car. I wonder if it was just a continuation of that uh, you know, because no, he didn't win the race, or as high as he was to to get taken out in first lap and booted to the back end of the grid, uh, that's an emotional roller coaster for sure. I mean, I I hope I wouldn't act that way, but uh, check back with me after a few world championships. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't. I'm not sure it's him just being petulant necessarily, as as a lot of these drivers can be, as because they are so competitive. But just him being so emotional. And so caught up in trying to, you know, perform for his home crowd, uh, I think that that could easily have been a part of it. So, uh, let's see what else. Um, you know, what about what about down the grid a little bit? We've talked a little bit about the Haas team. Uh, what about Alonso scoring points today? What do you guys think? Finally, yeah, uh... <laughs> go ahead, Jonathan. What I said, finally. Yeah. I know, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, he scored points in Austria, though, remember? Um, but, um, yeah, I, it, 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 he belies the performance of the car. It's as simple as that. Um, but that whether it will be good enough to... And whether they've made the moves for his satisfaction. I mean, I agree with what Jenny Gow said. This all seems to be about... Uh, pleasing Alonso and keeping him, keeping him uh, in the McLaren hope of winning the 500, because that's his hope, and there's no other Formula One team that will let him do that, um, and keeping him in, in Formula One, and keeping him in McLaren, more, more importantly. The, the trouble for Alonso is that there's nowhere else to go. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But I think you're right. If you didn't hear Jenny Gow, she was in our pre, uh, we did an interview with her on our pre-race show where she talked about she did not expect... Uh, Fernando Alonso to to go full time in Indy, which is kind of the big big rumor right now, because you know talking about uh, that that they're making so many changes at McLaren for Alonso that it would be it, she just didn't think it was that he would, would do that. Besides the fact of all the the grueling schedule of an Indy car race, and and of course he's going to do uh, talking about Lamar again, and and I don't know so. It is going to be a fascinating story to watch and to see what happens. And, of course, everything else going on at McLaren. So, so yeah. Well, Jonathan, I know you've got to, to, to lead to start getting out of the circuit. 
any final thoughts before you get out on today's British Grand Prix? And I know we're going to be really excited to hear play all these interviews that you got for us, including Sean Bratchett's. Yeah, uh, I mean, I have to say thanks to Sean Bratches and to all of Formula One for giving us the interview. A fascinating insight. I hope our, uh, our audience listened to it because it, he does set out his uh, vision of the future. Um, I think it's really bright. I am, I've been to the British Grand Prix since I was a little nipper of, of three, but I've never seen anything more professional and more supported. The merchandise uh, shops, and that's always a great way to see how a business is going, were overflowing. The crowd, of course, uh, buoyed by Hamilton, was was big. But uh, you know, I think I think the British Grand Prix has a huge future. I think they'll come to an agreement. Uh, I think Liberty have got a huge future. They're going massively in the right direction. Listen to Will Buxton. Uh, I've never seen him happier, and I've never seen uh, more uh, sort of openness towards Formula One and its uh, and positiveness towards its future. They'll get the racing right, uh, but right now it's it's looking pretty good for the future. All right, Jonathan Green, thank you very much for calling in from the Silverstone. And, of course, we'll see you back here in Austin next week, buddy. All righty. All right. Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. But remember, when we come back, we are going to have interviews with both the managing director of Formula One, Sean Bratches, and with Will Buxton. Jonathan got an interview with him as well. And also with uh, Mr. Warwick, who is the, the head of Silverstone, talking about the future of Silverstone how lots of rumors going on there. So we have some great interviews coming up in the next segments of the show. Stick with us. Speed City, live in Austin, Texas. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe, on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. The Austin East KOA Campground. Just 15 minutes from Circuit of the Americas and downtown Austin, and just two minutes from the Travis County Expo Center and Central Texas Fishing in Decker Lake. Featuring amenities for every style of camping, from tent sites to luxury RV pull-throughs and cabins, plus a pool, showers, and laundry. Nestled in tall oak trees on the edge of the hill country. All the pleasures of the Lone Star State await you at Austin East KOA. To make your reservation, visit austineastkoa.com. Listen to Talk 1370 anytime, anywhere on the radio.com app. garage.com and you're listening to speed city welcome back to speed city that's bruno mars music in the background going to be at circuit of the americas for the formula one the united states grand prix in october but i want to jump right into it guys because we have a lot of great interviews here and like jonathan was just saying he's been in london for the last week and he got to sit down at formula one headquarters with sean bratches the managing director of commercial operations and a fascinating fascinating interview and we've got several segments of this we're going to play a few today and then we're going to uh, put some of these out on our website and a podcast 
but it's a really, really fascinating insight into the transition from the Bernie Ecclestone era to the Liberty Media era. And I think this, uh, I mean, it's been fascinating to watch. Well, and and I'll tell you folks, even for us, it's fascinating to see the changes uh, in the paddock and in the conversations that you have with Formula One management. Look at the conversations that the team principals are having. They're all saying it, it's actually a dialogue. That is different. How do you think this? Let's talk about this. Go back, think about it. We'll talk at the next race again. Uh, that's not the way it was done before. And I will, we will tell you from firsthand as a broadcaster, that the dealing with Formula One is a very, very different uh, thing than it used to be. And so far, quite honestly, it's been a very, very positive change for us. I'll but. say, I'll say one thing. You know, we're we're seeing even how they're talking about doing deals. You know, potentially a, a revenue share in Miami and some of the other things. That's really a, a positive step because, you know, if if uh, if you're trying to put a grocery on the shelf at the grocery store, you want that store to stay in business because they're going to sell more of your groceries. Doing that to a venue. Uh, you know, making it such a struggle that they may not even break even, that's not good for your future relationship with them and getting your product out into those hands. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and we're going to we're gonna play this first clip from Sean Bratches talking about the beginning, how when he steps in the door at Formula One. Liberty acquired Formula One uh, in, in January of 2017. And when uh, when we arrived, you know, we'd um, you know, we the season was basically baked. Right. There was four or five weeks in terms of the Grand Prix season starting. So there was a lot of things that we inherited um, that, you know, were somewhat immutable in terms of, uh, you know, the, the 2017 season. Uh, but at the same time, you know, one of the uh, Liberty acquired Formula One for three primary reasons. You know, first, it's a, an extraordinary global brand. Got you know over 500 million fans around the world, and it uh, had a pretty strong balance sheet. Secondarily, uh, in a world in which technology is disintermediating the way consumers in you know ingest content, um, sport, live sport in particular, um, is the only genre that, on a predictable basis, can aggregate large audiences. And there's certainly monetization opportunities, you know, as a re- as a result of that. And thirdly, the was the perception that this was an undermanaged business. And I can attest to you that that is the case. You know, we have an expression in the States called bait and switch. When, uh, you know, Chase gave me a call and asked me to come over, he asked me to come run the business. And when I got here, uh, it didn't take me long to understand that there was no business. You know, there was no sponsorship group. There was no media rights group. There was no you know, digital group, no research group and no research, uh, no strategy team, no events, no hospitality, no communications group. So it's been a you know, really fascinating journey for me to not only you know, come to a, an extraordinary global brand, uh, but also have the opportunity to assemble a, a, st- a, a team, a staff, um, which I think is a great edit in the business uh, to create a strategic vision for a, a brand such as this to take it to the, you know, to the next level. And we think there are many levels that this can be, be taken to. And in, in some respects, you know, we're, we're moving this from the Sears and Roebuck catalog to the Internet overnight. So it's been an extraordinary ride. Um, you know, there's a, a, a lot of wood to chop, but I think we've made a lot of progress to date. 
So we had reams and reams of data that we synthesized down to a brand book that makes Goodnight Moon look like a Wikipedia site. Our mission statement came out of that was to unleash the greatest racing spectacle on the planet. You know, what an opportunity for a guy, obviously a really impressive guy, smart guy, but what an opportunity because he is, like he said, he's stepping into, you know, the second largest sport in the on the planet from a viewer behind soccer, right? But uh, what an opportunity to step in because it had no commercial operations. All these things, yeah, Bernie did got the racing right. I mean, we, we've got to give him credit for that. The racing was right, but all these other things... There was just nothing there and an opportunity for him to step in and and make his mark with this. It's just it's really incredible. I want to I want to jump right into the next segment, the next interview, next little part of this interview we did with Sean Bratches of Formula One, because he talks about the the next thing he did after he got into Formula One. And 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 where he's, he's going to talk about something that they did. And I remember this. I remember them doing it, talking about. Uh, reaching out to the fans across the world. So let's hear, he used basically focus groups and that type of uh, of technology or, or that type of research. So let's hear Sean Bratches again. Yeah, so, you know, as I mentioned, when, when I arrived, um, I was actually here two or three weeks prior to the closing. Uh, and had it not closed, I would have actually gone back to the States. But uh, in the interim, I went to um, Wyden and Kennedy, which was ESPN's agency of record and in many respects shaped the ESPN brand for the, you know, the close to three decades I was at the company. And had a lot of conversations with them about, you know, the opportunities at Formula One. But one of them was I needed to do a brand study and uh, figure out, you know, what fans actually thought about Formula One, because we, we really didn't have, you know, a guidepost in that regard. So uh, we, we went to um, four continents. Uh, we interviewed um, uh, 10 avid fans, avid Formula One fans on each continent for seven hours over two days. We did um, six focus groups comprised of 10 people each, um, uh, one being of avid Formula One fans, one being of casual Formula One fans, uh, former motorsport fans, spectacular, you know, um, spectacle fans, etc. We did panel data against digital platforms on each continent and we did you know a number of online surveys and we learned an extraordinary um, amount about you know what fans perceive formula one to be and how they um how they interact with the brand yeah uh, i remember that because it was they just reached out I, I didn't know anything about it ahead of time but they just reached out on social media and i think even i got an email just because i was signed up on the formula one website and they reached out and were, were talking about taking these surveys. I, I didn't get chosen in this list or anything, but I just remember them saying that they were doing that. And I think some of the surveys were on their website, if I recall. You know, it's, it's again, things that are done differently. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's easy to, to admit that Bernie did not really listen to a lot of folks. Uh, that was something that was very different. It was run the way he wanted it to run, and he didn't change his mind very often from from what we understand people that were closer to that. But the fact that there that uh, Liberty opened the door to the discussion, and no, we want to hear from the serious fans, the serious enthusiasts that are in on this. So I think that's um, that alone will make things different. Ultimately, driving engagement. Yeah, and Jonathan said it in at Silverstone this weekend. He said that everyone there, you could just 
feel it was a different atmosphere, that it was very open and 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 everybody is saying that he was working with Liberty is that it's a, a totally uh, a totally different attitude where but the, the big thing is that it is open, that it is a more of a conversation. Yeah, these guys have what, a nine billion dollar investment and they're gonna they're gonna ultimately make the decisions, but it is Fascinating the way they're doing it. So, all right, we're going to play one more clip here. Do we have time before the break? Yeah, we do. Let's go ahead and play one more clip from Sean Bratches. And what this is, it's his, he calls it his five North Stars. Essentially, it's kind of a mission statement broken down, but it is really, really interesting. Let's hear this from Sean Bratches. We came out with um, five North Stars that really drives our thinking on a daily basis. Um, one is revel in the racing. The second is breaking down borders. The third is putting the spectacular back in the spectacle. The fourth is taste the oil. And the fifth is feel the blood boil. And those are all about creating great racing on the grid, about um, you know, unleashing this, the, the, you know, the, the spectacle of the, of the Grand Prix. You know, if you go to an, an, an Arsenal-Chelsea game or a Knicks-Bulls game, you know, you're there for a couple hours, you go home. At a Grand Prix, you're there for three or four days. You're spending six, seven, eight hours a day. You need to be engaged um, in, in addition to what's on the track. So you know, we're doing a lot to that end. Um, the breaking down borders is the trying to create seams in what was perceived to be this impenetrable exclusivity that surrounded the sport. So, you know, bringing, you know, creating fan festivals in city centers and running cars, creating a, a platform of digital products that is state-of-the-art and, 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 uh, and, and relevant, things of that nature. We have a Netflix series that's being shot this year that'll drop at the end of next year, telling the story about the game around the game, you know, not what's on the track, but, you know, what, what transpires around the sport of Formula One. And then the last two is, you know, taste the oil. This is the most technologically advanced sport on the planet. And, you know, who are these scientists, these, um, you know, these engineers that, that, that drive these machines to extraordinary, you know, capabilities? You know, each of these engines has 25,000 unique parts, each engine. I mean, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. Um, and there's stories to be told there. And then lastly, obviously, is, you know, we call it feel the blood boil, but it's telling the stories about these gladiators that sit in these rocket ships and drive on the precipice of danger and death at every single second and uh, and are really heroes. And we're trying to unmask them, take the helmets off, tell their stories because, you know, brass tacks, it's, it's really, when you look at the history of Formula One, so much of it is about the iconic drivers that, you know, from Fangio to, to Hunt to Prost to, you know, to uh, Stewart and, and the list goes on and on. You know, you, you've got to play that back. I mean, if we're live on the radio now, but we're going to have this on our website. And you need to play this back because this is really, really smart. Every single step of the way here, because all these things, you know, revel in the racing. Yeah, Bernie was great at that. But the rest of this, everything beyond that, the breaking down borders, put the spectacle back in, the, uh, the spectacular back in the spectacle, taste the oil, you know, the, the technology, the scientists, the engineers, and then field blood boil, but you know because of what these are, you know, uh, learn about the gladiators, the story behind the story. But all of those, that is so so smart. This guy is a. I am really mo way more confident than I ever had been. I I hadn't seen any big missteps by Liberty Media. The only one I don't like is the silly uh, on screen. Uh, the, the, the graphic, graphic that's not really there. Yeah, but other than, and that's ridiculous. I shouldn't even bring it up. But because everything else has been so smart, but listening to this guy, I my confidence is really, really high.
Absolutely. I like it because I, I think they've broken things down to the point that they are uh, evaluating everything done specifically for bringing value to the customer and keeping teams engaged. They're still working on that. We know we're, they're working on the whole point system and how they're going to keep teams uh, to try to level the playing field from the giant budgets of the front to uh, the thinner budgets at the back. And they're trying to figure out how to reward that. So I'm anxious to see what they wind up doing there. We can talk about that another day. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break, but stay tuned because after the break, we have an interview with Will Buxton that Jonathan that did. Guy. Yeah, we know that guy. Will Buxton, you know and love him, a, a pit reporter for Formula One. And uh, he's up next after the break. Listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas. The racetrack. It's where legends are born. Where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce Motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles, whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey, because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Ambia Gusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Ambia Gusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutale Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Ambia Gusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. You've made the right choice. Talk 1370. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. All right, so when we went to the break, we said we were going to play an interview, and we've got this interview with Will Buxton that Jonathan did while he was over at Silverstone. And we've just got a few minutes left of the last segment here, so I want to jump right into this. But this is Will Buxton uh, live, or, or live yesterday, I believe his interview was, uh, at Silverstone. City fans, your intrepid reporter has been wandering the paddock, but forget the drivers. What do they got to say? No, they'll never tell you anything, really. They're all very prim and proper. But if you want to get the story, no better place than Will Buxton himself, man extraordinaire in the paddock and man at large in the paddock. Uh, and I think your role's been expanded even further. First of all, great to see you. Great to see you back on Speed City. Um, how are you doing? How much are you enjoying the new era of Formula One? I'm loving it, mate. It's, well, actually, let me take that back in. I miss my boys. You're missing Lee and the boys. I am. It's, it's crazy. Like, I miss... So we did a road trip in France uh, to the French Grand Prix, and we put Steve Matchett's audiobook on, cause, and we were missing him, So and it got really sad for, like, the first 40 minutes we were doing, because we are like, 
Oh man, I really miss Steve. And the first thing is they're gigging without you. They're no no lead singer. They're, the band is still going on. They're still booking auditoriums. I don't, I don't know if they're missing the lead singer. I think I'm more like Ringo. I think you know. <laughs> they do know. Yeah, exactly. I just keep the I just keep the backbeat. Um, you know. Uh, no, I miss miss. That's that Jason. Band. Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. No, I I miss I miss the. Uh, I miss the gang, I miss everybody at NBC Sports, who are just the most wonderful group of people to work with. Um, but in terms of the job, yeah, it, it's there's so much more scope to do so many more things. We were always limited with, you know, obviously the amount of time that we had to broadcast in, in, uh, in the States. But by doing what I'm doing for F1, uh, and, and digitally as well, there is no limit. We can do as much or as little as we want. You know, we come up with an idea and, and the answer is, yeah, yeah, sure, okay, let's go and do it. Mm. And okay, how about we do this? Yeah, yeah, sure, go and do it. So it's really great because we can just, we put it up on YouTube or we put it up on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, whichever platform suits what we want to do, whether it's a short form piece, like a minute long, it'll go on Instagram, or if it's a little bit longer, half an hour or something like that we put it up on youtube or if it's like a live interview with a driver we do a facebook live something like that so there's there's all these great uh platforms to put it on and it's just utilizing those and i think what's been most interesting as well is seeing the numbers which are massive where they're coming from predominantly the states mm-hmm. um but also that a lot of the people who are engaging with us are new okay. new to the sports so what our job is in, in what we're doing at the moment is getting it to people who might not necessarily be fans, putting it in front of them for the first time and showing them, hey, look, look how cool this sport is. And also, this sport isn't just about Lewis and Seb. Yeah. It's about everybody else. So having that capability, that ability to, to say, hey, let me introduce you to this guy. He's a young lad from Monaco and he's a bit quick and his name's Charles, <laughs> yeah. you know, is, is, is amazing. So yeah, having that, that, that scope is, is phenomenal, mate. Well, give us, drill down a little, tell us where to find you specifically and what you, because it's you and Jason still, yeah, yeah. so that, you know, you've basically kept your team together and I know you've now got a big backup team. It's a massive team, yeah. So, so but we're essentially, we're working for, there's a new branch to F1 and F1 Broadcasting called F1 Digital and that has uh, F1.com uh, and all of F1 social channels, so YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and everything that we do within that much larger team goes on there so uh everything we're doing will be on f1.com uh if you follow the social channels if you follow the twitter and facebook accounts and the instagram accounts everything that we do is being uploaded uh, on there and it's not just us there's a whole group of really talented people really talented broadcasters and presenters who are, are, are you know making their own pieces as well writers as well on the website and and it's just it's it's, it's more than i've ever seen formula one actually providing themselves as as the, 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 the body that, you know, that, that organizes, that, that runs this sport. Brilliant, and uh, I'm so glad that you're doing that, and I'm sure American fans are so glad that you, we see you, of course, doing the post-race yeah. well, or post-qualifying interviews. Get, I still get, the, get sort of tweets from people going, where are you, where what, are you? What, what, are you what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm still here, yeah. I'm, still, I'm still here. Um, heaven knows for how long, but it's, no, but it's one- Rumors of my demise are much over-exaggerated. Over, over exactly, precisely, precisely. <laughs> um, but no, it's lovely, and, and it's lovely to, to get messages from people, and. Um, you know, to know that they're still following along is fabulous. So we're still here, we're still cracking along, and um, hopefully providing lots of interesting, I'm gonna sound like one of those digital people now, providing lots of unique content. Uh, you know, it's true, it's tr- and, and by the way, as long as we've all been involved in this, I, it is a breath of fresh air. We're standing next to a, a free Heineken bar, you're having a yeah. coffee in the paddock, yeah. Jason's just walking by, I mean, you know, the it's, sun is shining. It's very chilled and it feels light, it feels jovial, it's a good place to be. And I don't just say that because I'm 
working for the people that run the show. Uh, it genuinely, you know, I've, I've been doing this, this is what, year 16, 17? And I said it last year, you know, while we were still on NBCSN, you could, you could notice the change and the positivity that was flowing through the paddock. And I think that just extends all the time. Yes, you're going to have negativity, you're going to have people saying, oh, but what's actually changed other than a bar in the paddock and all this? What's actually changed about the sport? Think long term. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. These guys have come in. I wasn't on that job. No, nor me. Uh, it would have taken a lot longer. Uh, they, you know, they've, 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 they've taken stock of the situation. They know what they've got. They spent an awful lot of time, effort, and money investing in purchasing this sport. If you make massive changes overnight, you risk screwing up what you've fought so hard to get a hold of. So, give it time. Put faith in them that they've put the right people in charge of the right areas. Ross Braun and Pat Sims and all these people know the sport intrinsically they're not going to allow it to go wrong so just give it time and those little changes will start to become the medium changes which will start to be the big changes long term for the the, the health and the prosperity and ultimately the joy of racing that we all want to see in formula one brilliant you couldn't have said it better and american fans if you are listening officially from will buxton liberty is a pursuit of happiness yes and i love you all and i miss you dearly oh <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I had not gotten to hear that interview, and it was perfect to follow up with what Sean Bratches said and what we were saying, because it's just a continuation. I mean, could you be more optimistic right now after hearing all of that about about Formula One and what Liberty's going to do? So, yeah, amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, you see it and you feel it around the business. Uh, it's, you know, the ship is righted and headed the right way, and it's gaining steam. Yep. All right, we've got another interview. Back to back to back. This uh, triple header has uh, has affected us. We're going back to back on all the interviews. So, so we have another interview that Jonathan got over at Silverstone with an American journalist. He's been around Formula One. Uh, I don't know how many decades. And, uh, and Dan Knutson. Dan Knutson. And so Jonathan got an interview with him, and we're going to play some of that real quick. Let's go straight into Dan Knutson. Okay, Speed City fans, I'm delighted to hear some American tones, those of Dan Knutson, a good friend of mine from many a day past uh, here in Formula One, but still going strong. Uh, first of all, Dan, who are you writing for this year? Because you've always got some stuff on the go. Um, and where can we find you? Uh, I write for GrandPrix.com. I do the race reports and the practice reports. Uh, Speed Sport magazine in the US, Auto Action in Australia, and Overdrive in India. Overdrive in India. I didn't know you did that one. I, sp I saw Ralph Shaheen not, not too long ago. He says you're doing a fantastic job. And I read your article when I was actually at Indy last time. Ah, great. Well, yeah, I said the, the, you can find me on grandprix.com or speedsport.com. Well, you've been involved in Formula One for many a year. Um, and of course, we're now going through a massive change. First and foremost, in your time in Formula One, it does still seem, though, that the more things change, the more they say the same, because there's a lot of the things that we're talking about now, which is the next Concord Agreement, the next engine, you know, the next 2021 coming up, rule changes and so on, and the debate is who's staying in, who's not staying in, who's going to get the money, who's not going to get the money. Does it make you laugh sometimes that sometimes it is almost the same? It is almost the same, but, you know, there's one big difference, and that's, of course, losing Bernie Ecclestone, and Bernie had a policy of just say no to everything. <laughs> And the great thing about liberty is they're saying, well, let's talk. They might say no, but they say, let's talk. We might say yes. They're open to negotiation. They're open to compromise. And that's the huge difference between this time now and Bernie's time. Because in the old days, the teams just knew that Bernie would say no and Bernie would get his way. 
I was going to say, as an American, does that uh, how how have you kind of uh, welcomed, if you will, the the new change, the change of guard? Because, like you say, it is very different. Bernie had a way; it wasn't everybody's cup of tea, so to speak. Um, but let's face it; he built one of the biggest sports and the biggest businesses, and made himself a lot of money. And the teams he made a lot of money too that still exist and are thankful for that money. Exactly. I mean, Bernie, you can't argue with Bernie's business model. He made himself a billionaire. He made millionaires out of lots of drivers. He even let a few poor journalists scrabble through. But he had reached that plan. It reached the limit. It, was, it, it reached the end. It, you know, it was a good system for 30 years, but that was the end. And so it had, things had to change with a new regime, and that's where liberty came in. You know, boys, this conversation uh, is really exciting. I know it's it's the same, basically the same three themes in all those three interviews is that liberty is open for business and, and open to ideas, open to discussion. And I don't know, maybe that is the more the American way, but um, but I just hope that that some of these ideas that teams and everybody else has are going to come to fruition. But uh, all right, we're going to wrap it up here. We uh, amazing race today in, in British Grand Prix. It really was a gr- another great race with Sebastian Vettel finishing ahead of Lewis Hamilton and Kimi Raikkonen and the Haas team in the points again. They lost a little ground to the Renault team, but uh, but Kevin Magnussen in ninth, of course. Uh, so we had another good day for the Haas team. And check us out on our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. You'll want to go back and play these interviews, especially the ones from Sean Bratches. And the ones that you heard part of today, we're going to put all of them up on our website, out on our SoundCloud, out on our Twitter and Facebook. So check us out. Thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you in next week. Ciao, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.